Here we are again at the 1% Recovery Podcast. Today we have a treat. But before we get to our guest, I got to remind everybody, now out the Recovery Growth Scorecard. We use metrics in business to evaluate performance either by people or by processes. Why can't we use metrics in recovery? Well, now we can. It's free. All you have to do is go to the website, www.lifeiswonderful.love, L-O-V-E, or you can email me, Hugo V at lifeiswonderful.love. Get the scorecard. You can start healing, detoxing today, and then start feeling better about yourself. And most of these things on the scorecard are free, so they really kind of just start elevating your mood. But let's get into this episode. Today, we have Faisal. How are you doing today, Faisal? It's a beautiful, cold day in June in Houston, Texas, Hugo. <laughs> cold, you mean we're under 100? <laughs> yeah, the tan, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not the heritage. It's actually the no. Houston sun. <laughs> it's the Houston sun. Hey, let's tell, tell the audience one thing you love. Yeah, I think uh, what I've uh, come to learn is I really love people. I uh, really enjoy people. I'm an extreme extrovert, uh, uh, and uh, a lot of the joy I get is from meeting people and having relationships with uh, family and friends. Uh, so, you know, it's an interesting question. Uh, and I said, no, I think that that would be the one thing, people. Yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, once we're in our addiction, we isolate so much. And then we get into recovery, and recovery is just about connections. And I agree with you. The, the more you want to get out of recovery, go to meetings, go to conferences, go to retreats, or just hang out. You know, call somebody up, have lunch. I mean, isn't that what you, you think that's a key ingredient to your recovery, just reaching out and meeting more, more and more people? I think as, as I look at the 12 steps, it could be boiled down to pick up Pick up the phone or talk to somebody. <laughs> Whatever. What's the third step? How do you turn your life and your will over? Well, pick up the phone and call Hugo and say, hey, bro, I got this thing going on. You just you just turned it over. You, you want to you, you get rid of a resentment? Go call, talk to somebody about it. You know? Uh, you know, you want to you want an 11th step? You want to pray, pray, meditate? Talk to God, whoever she is. Uh, so... You know, uh, it's it, it really is. I, I think, um, and all the things that block us from being authentic, right? Uh, a lot of that is cultural and environmental for me. Right, but and I think also not only when you're struggling, but reach out when you actually have good news. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, just keep reaching out. But you know, I may also I must also say this: that's really easy for me because I'm an extrovert. And I totally realize that that's not easy for people who are introverts and who are shy and who have not had had positive reaffirmation. So I also don't want to kind of, you know, I think it's worth a lot more for the people who reach out that don't feel like reaching out because they're really fighting against their self and doing it. For me, it's really easy. Okay. Well, let's get into question number one. Right. You're from Pakistan. You That's grew right. up Muslim. 
it's not like we always say, oh, the 12 steps are a spiritual program. But there is a Christian slant to it. You cannot read the big book. You cannot go to a meeting and you're you're saying the Lord's Prayer. And I've heard this because I've heard this from whether it's Muslims, whether it's Jewish people or people who are atheists and going, well, there seems to be a Christian almost influence on it. Since you come from a non-Christian background, and I know, you know, because you, you obviously went to different schools and, you know, just coming in, you've had a little more exposure. What can you say either about that, about the 12 steps, recovery, about, you know, really being spiritual and accepting or how, you know, how well do you feel that they accept really out, outside Christianity as well as really kind of push more of a spiritual program? Yeah, that's a very good question. And, and so this is, again, very specific to me. My experience is when your ass is on fire, you're about to lose your family, your life, and your kids. I'll fucking take on whatever religion you go. I really will. You know, uh, cocaine and alcohol um, really knocked sense into me. So that's my premise. Uh, and I totally agree with you that there is a overtone of, uh, you know, Christian basics. But just because it's Christian basics, it doesn't mean that it's not Hindu basics. It's not Muslim basics. It's not Unitarian basics. It's not Jewish basics. A lot of the, for me, a lot of the 12 steps are, are spiritual and humanistic in nature that are common to all religions. You know, I used to, uh, you're from the Catholic uh, uh, tradition. And I used to, I went to University of St. Thomas, which is a Catholic university where all good Muslims go uh, to meet their wives. Uh, and, uh, so I used to just tease them, the Brazilian fathers over confession and this and that. And, and I would just, and guess what? Part of our, a part of our fourth and fifth step is confessing. And, and as I did this, I realized that the Hindus have been doing this for over 15,000 years. The Muslims have to confess their wrongs to somebody before they go to Mecca. The Jews have to atone and ask for forgiveness before doing the Aliyah, I believe. And uh, so it's, once you break it down, it does have a commonality. But I must also say that, yes, we do need to make sure that the rooms of AA are open to all people, not just Christian overtones or Hindu overtones or Mohammedan overtones, you know, I sit there and I, I, I'm, you know, you, you go, well, why can't I say Jesus Christ is my savior and Lord? I'm like, no, absolutely. You can say that. But however, you're cutting out the rest of us. Cause basically what you're saying is that if, if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and savior, you're not saved. And the beauty about sobriety is about acceptance. And accepting everybody, right? Uh, and that's why I don't sit there and shout Allahu Akbar in the middle of a meeting. Because there might be some poor guy from the military who has some, you know, 
been to Iraq and stuff and is going to be traumatized by it. <laughs> PTSD. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, we're not it joking. It started by Faisal. Faisal. Yeah, he shouted Allahu Akbar. <laughs> I'm not going to that meeting at Hugo. There's some damn Muslims in there. Well, you know, I'm also in the gambling 12-step program, but they don't, they end the meeting. They started, they don't, they pretty much just start the meeting and they end it with the serenity prayer. Which, which has a different kind of slant because the serenity prayer is very universal. You can't yeah. really push that on any specific religion. That's, and that's what makes the serenity prayer, which is also the basis of, you know, anything alcohol or drug based programs that the serenity prayer really just focuses on, Hey, just focus on what you can do. Stop worrying about others. So this is interesting, right? So a little, uh, little, uh, sidebar. So I was asked to, I was asked to do a Zoom AA meeting in Tehran, Iran, and tell my story. Now, if I had started with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and the Lord's Prayer, I would have lost ninety percent, and the mullahs would have shut it down. The mullahs allowed AA into Tehran because they had such a Huge drug problem with their youth. And by the way, the mullahs allowed the AA in two years before the Second Baptist allowed it. In. Just, 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 just in, just in context. So, uh, so yes, our our vision for me, my personal mission is to allow and accept everybody, our Christian brothers, our atheist brothers or sisters, whoever that needs recovery. So we need to kind of quack like that, right? We need to, so I agree with you. So serenity prayer is very encompassing, very universal. Okay, well, let's go in. It kind of leads into question two. You've been in recovery over 15 years. Have you seen any kind of trends? I mean, what do you see? Because a lot of, what people don't realize is Alcoholism is here to stay. I mean, the push on, you know, the acceptance of no matter what you do, whether you graduate from college, whether you get married, you're at a funeral, you know, they're always talking about, let's go drink. Alcohol is a just a big part of every society. But have you noticed any trends in the rooms like more younger people, maybe people of different colors or cultures or women? Or do you see, because, you know, it's just like a lot of these programs, they, they pretty much were first dominated by just white males. And so. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 would, I would say it's uh, recovery has become a little chic, right? It's cool to be sober, right? Uh, it, in the general, uh, um, general, our culture. But they like to say uh, sober curious or alcohol free instead of saying alcoholic sounds yeah, like almost yeah, like I mean, a, a you know medicine. whatever your whatever your nomenclature is right there's there's less there's less um, of a stigma to come into recovery which is really positive I just love the emphasis on mental health where where uh, what I've seen is a lot more focus into mental health issues the under that underlie our addictions which is a amazingly positive trend mental wellness 
which is an amazingly good trend. Uh, um, uh, I just I just see those things as moving closer to assisting what really is driving the addiction or the gam- for gambling and drugs and alcohol, which you know we all talk about are just the symptoms, right? Uh, so just a lot of awareness around that. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm around a lot of people in the, you know, that are into that, but I don't think so. I don't think so. After COVID and so forth, mental health for all sorts of people, college students, working people, people who have been forced back together into the house and working together. I mean, it's, it's, it's really revved up the mental wellness uh, uh, community. Yeah, it has. I mean, but it's almost like both. I think mental health has been, you know, talked about more, but it's almost as like now you can't even watch a sporting event and they're not talking about gambling. Oh, yeah. They're they're association so much and they almost associate both alcohol and gambling. Like, hey, man, if you're not if you're not drinking, I mean, I, I got it from my brother when I first came in well if you're not going to drink or gamble how are you going to have any fun yeah and by the way when you said what else is your love the other thing would be uh uh um, the houston texans football and and funnily enough you know i would not drink when watching football because i love the game so much you know and so you really get to enjoy the game the people the characters that are out there so yeah i mean it's uh Look, sobriety is an is an experiential flavor. One has to experience it enough to get to the other end to like it. Otherwise, on a superficial level, it just seems like dull and freaking boring. Right. There's got to. Yeah, well, I always say is you got to find your purpose. Almost like step one, even before talking about alcohol or whatever your addiction is, is. I like to ask people, what do you truly want to do with your life? Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you want to, you know, change careers, relationships, lifestyle? Uh, you know, you can we can talk about alcohol or drugs or gambling all day long. But yeah. in the end, yeah. what is it, it, what it is? It's keeping you from you. It's holding you back. And but I got to know what drives you so. I'm a big believer. It's a lot easier to deal with emotional issues if I see some type, you know, some type of goal or what is the reason to do this hard work? Because emotional work is exhausting and is difficult, but it's necessary if you truly want to live your life. Well, you're talking about a woofum. What is it in for me? Right. I mean, is it big enough? Right. And uh, and uh, for me, it was not losing my my family, right? That was a reason bigger than myself. And and I, I agree with you. I think if we do a deep enough fourth and fifth step, we'll come to what is it that's really shaking the tree of addiction, or, or the tree of Hugo. And, and for me, those are two things. Which is what I found is that. Fear that I will not reach my potential because I have had so much invested in me by my parents and schooling and so forth. 
uh, and then uh, not being enough and that there won't be enough. If I don't get mine, there won't be enough. And so, you know, those are the two big fears that shake Pfizer, right? Uh, and uh, um, so, I, and I think, I think that's a common theme once we get down to all humans. Well, that leads us into question three. I mean, you you do a lot in recovery. Do you have suggestions? I think twofold. One, for the person who kind of just walks in, what is kind of necessary kind of early on? And then the other one is, is if someone's kind of gotten stuck, let's say, in four and five, or maybe with three, or maybe with six and seven on some, you know, any suggestions that, could really kind of almost like jumpstart their recovery or just even just start. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go with just my experience, right? And so my experience is if you're coming in fresh is I hope you have screwed up well enough for the shame and the guilt to be just dripping off of you. I hope the, I hope the pain is huge. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful for the pain that not only got me into the rooms, but but cracked open a space where I could actually listen to what Hugo was saying rather than go, what the fuck do you know, Hugo? Don't you know who I am? Why would I listen to you? <laughs> you know, that type of stuff, right? Uh, uh, and then on the steps... I always recommend go go talk to four or five people about the issue de jour that you're having <laughs> or the issue of, of the moment or the time of the day, whatever it is, whether it's the third step, fourth step, fifth step, go talk to four or five people that you feel that you respect in a meeting and say, would you, would you share with me what your experience is? And AA is a beautiful opportunity of free consultants whose only agenda, you can see through their eyes what they've been through, and then you can take and leave what you want uh, and, 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 and cultivate your own uh, third step or your own specific fifth and sixth or seventh step. Go talk to four or five people. Ask them to tell them about, tell you about their experience with it. I think I think that's where the magic happens, right? When the dialogue begins, when you get inquisitive, when you're willing to listen to somebody, when I am willing to listen to somebody. Because when, I, I find this very unique that when we share our experience, we're talking about our only truth, Right, because I've experienced it, that is my truth. My opinion is not you know, what I think about the Middle East politics is just my opinion. It's not the truth, but what happened to me and what I did and what it resulted in is my truth. And I think that's why the gravitas is so great when we share our experience. And that's why I think, you know, when somebody starts expressing their opinion, I'm already out. When I start expressing my opinion, 
I'm already saying be quiet, Pfizer. So that would be my my thing is go go talk to a few people that you relate to, that you respect. Find out find out what how they got through. Yeah, I think you said two things that are very important. Number one, it's almost when you kind of come into the rooms, walk into your pain instead of doing what we all did in our addictions, always run away from our pain. Because if we start to walk into the pain, then it goes into the second most, uh, what I feel is a second very important thing you said is almost own your story. You talked about, you know, this is my truth, but I also believe is just own your story. It doesn't matter whatever legal relationship, family, whatever your story is, it's still your story. You cannot change your story. As long because like you said before, acceptance. And I think, well, we have to accept ourselves. We have to accept all the good and bad things that have happened to us, own it. It, it has. And then it allows us, and that's the beauty of the steps. It allows us then to change whatever destiny we want and not make it kind of something future, you know, some dream, it becomes reality. Like you spoke about, like, what is your goal? What do you want to achieve, right? And so in order to get to B, first I got to know where A is. Where am I? So that I can, I can direct a path to B. And what you're talking about in 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 AA and what the steps allow me to do is is own where I'm at, who I am, how I have behaved, the positive and the negative virtues that I have. Right. I got you. All right, so we've come to the end of the three questions. You got any one last piece of wisdom before we conclude? No, man, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a short life, right? Uh, what I'm, what I'm working on today is that all these emotions and feelings are all aspects of life. They're neither good nor bad. Like Father Richard Rohr says, there's no, there's not a duality of this is good, this is bad. These are all feelings and things that we have to feel that we get to feel because we're human and we're alive. So kind of embrace, embrace it. Uh, try not to label for me good and bad. What I thought was so bad, which is losing my family, was the best thing that ever happened to me and my family. Exactly. With me so, so. All right, there we go. We appreciate the time, the thoughts, the experience. And with that, we are going to conclude this episode of the 1% in Recovery Podcast. Till next time.